and my fellow Pennsylvanians. This state's electoral votes are key to who wins the presidency, and both of the candidates know it. We win Pennsylvania, we win the whole deal, you know that. Just like last night. But states like Pennsylvania are going to be incredibly important. The only thing left on the board is Pennsylvania. The president cannot get to the finish line without the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. One state all four candidates are visiting today is Pennsylvania. Its 20 electoral votes are highly coveted, and the Keystone State could end up being one of the determining factors in the race. Jill's a Philly girl, but I'm a screen girl. We received a lot of feedback from our conversation with State Rep. Sarah and Murata. If you haven't listened yet, she shared her background, why she hopes to leave Harrisburg to serve as the county executive, and her vision for the next four years in Pennsylvania's second largest county. Now today, we're going to stay in Allegheny County and we're going to have a similar conversation, this time with Michael Lamb. For him, transparency is the name of the game. He's increased campaign finance and city budget transparency during his time as Pittsburgh City Controller. He was first elected to that position in 2008. His late father served as state senator, rising to become the majority leader in Harrisburg. And for our D.C. listeners recognizing the last name Lamb, Michael is former Congressman Connor Lamb's uncle. Michael Lamb, welcome to my kitchen table. How are you? Good, 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 good. Um, The bigger question is, how are you? Petitions have circulated. You're on the ballot for county executive. Um, Let the games begin. Yeah, I mean, it's been a great process so far. We've been out talking to voters and we've had uh, a great, great uh, response at the doors, great response from the, the meetings we attend, uh, really talking about building a better Allegheny County, uh, you know, bringing, bringing forward a, a government that is competent, uh, that sets a, a new ethical standard and, uh, and really builds on a new relationship between our county government and the 130 municipalities that uh, that make up Allegheny County. And I think that's important. We have listeners all over the country, uh, pretty top heavy in Washington. And folks think of Allegheny County, they think of Pittsburgh, and they forget that there's 129 other municipalities around. But you're born and bred Pittsburgh and Beachwood's my understanding. And yeah, that area has changed tremendously over the years. The whole yeah, city- it has. You know, I grew up in a neighborhood that was um, one of those places where everybody knew everybody. You know, my parents looked out for kids on the street. Their parents looked out for us. And, you know, I think when you grow up in a neighborhood like that, you get a sense of responsibility, not just for yourself, but for for the broader community and for your neighbors. And I think really more than anything, that's what led me to a career in public service. I mean, of course, that was reinforced for me at home. My mother was always saying, look around, you know, there's something you can do. Get out there and do something, help somebody. And um, so, I mean, it was natural for me to choose a career in public service. And you still live in the city? I do. I live in Mount Washington. My wife and I have been in Mount Washington now for 27 years. I love it here. It's central to everything. It's a great and diverse neighborhood. And um, yeah, we're very happy here. So my understanding is really since 2000, you've been in public life in the city of Pittsburgh and in the region. What I mean, what was that spark? And then more so what, you know, over the last two decades, what has really pushed you to stay in the uh, in the arena as President Roosevelt? Yeah, you know, like I said, I... I when I got out of school, it was natural for me to choose a career in public service just because of the way that I had been brought up. And uh, I went back to school at night. I earned my master's degree in public management at Carnegie Mellon. I earned my law degree at Duquesne. And I, I really uh, set out to help government work better because I really thought I could. And, and in the early days of my career, I re- we really saw a lot of places where our systems were broken. You know, I saw it a lot when I worked in the criminal justice system. Uh, you know, I bumped up against institutional racism every day. And, and make no mistake about it, 
from, from in every step of the criminal justice system, from arrest uh, to arraignment to preliminary hearing and into trial and into, into incarceration. Black defendants are treated worse than non-black defendants. And, uh, and, and I represented a lot of inmates at the county jail at that time and really saw and fought against that, that institutional racism that we had in our criminal justice system. But, but it went beyond that. I mean, for me, just in general systems around our government, they're broken. Uh, they're corrupt. They are, they're, they're unjust. And so when I got involved, what I really put, tried to put a focus on was transparency. Let's show as much as we can. And, and particularly in the last 15 years as city controller, I mean, we really have just created new tools, open book Pittsburgh and fiscal focus Pittsburgh to engage our citizens. But still, the main reason for that is we need to show the injustice if we're going to fix it. And so everything I've done around transparency has been about that. And, and those tools now we want to bring to county government as well and really shine a light on what's going on in county government. Um, because uh, because we need to see what's going on to fix those broken systems. I want to definitely plunge deeper about policy, but take listeners a step back. Um, I think across Pennsylvania, across uh, the United States, we don't necessarily um, wake up thinking about the role of the controller, uh, to be honest. Uh, but you held that position in the city of Pittsburgh for 15 years. You did some very innovative initiatives, as you alluded to. So tell folks a little about that, that period and uh, the role of the controller in, in city government. Yeah, so the controller is basically the city's watchdog, you know, and so uh, when we when we got in, we, we did a couple of things. First off, um, we wanted to provide access to information. We wanted to provide context to that information. We wanted to really be the place where people go when they have a question about city government and particularly city finances, that, that we are that place. And I think we've done that. I think in the last 15 years, we have become the source of information about the city of Pittsburgh. And we do it with a number of tools, as I mentioned, Open Book Pittsburgh, which is a searchable database of all the city's contracts. Uh, it is a um, it's also a, a, a compare that with a searchable database of all the political contributions. You know, pay to play is a real thing. And, and we want to show it and, and let people see it. Uh, and so between that and then fiscal focus Pittsburgh, which is a, a visualization tool, of the city's spending the budget so you can see in real time where money is going. Yeah, how it's being spent, uh, and, and those two tools really allow us to keep a track in a very public way of of all of the city's financial activity. Remind listeners how how large is uh, Pittsburgh's budget these days, and taking yeah, so, over the last three you know, years since the pandemic, how has the pandemic affected uh, municipal budgeting? Yeah, the, the city the, the city's budget now is around six hundred million dollars. We also have a school uh, district budget that is uh, more than that. And so, and I am the controller for both the city and the schools, although our limit, our role is very limited at the schools. The pandemic was an interesting time for the city. I mean, I think unlike a lot of cities, while we certainly felt the financial pinch, it wasn't the way that most cities felt it. In Pittsburgh, um, much of our budget is reliant on so on, on special events, public events, you know, Steeler games and, and Penguin games and, and summer concerts uh, are, are a big part of our budget. When you lose that for almost two years, it puts a big hole in your budget. The other big piece is parking. Um, and when you don't have people driving into town every day and you don't have special event parking, you really get uh, hit hard. We probably took a $50 million hit in 2021 uh, just on parking. We took uh, probably another $15 million hit on special events. But that's big numbers for us. That's, that's more than 10% of our budget. Surprisingly, 
we didn't get hit on our wage tax, which is our biggest, you know, our second biggest tax, which is the tax, uh, basically our, our income tax. Most employers in Pittsburgh did not lay off a lot of people. In fact, our healthcare uh, community added jobs during that period of time. Uh, and so we didn't see the big drop in income taxes and that helped get us through. Um, but the truth is without the federal money that came in through the uh, American Rescue Plan, uh, we, we would be in serious financial trouble. And uh, that, that money helped us to stabilize our budget, uh, that we didn't have to lay off police officers and other uh, critical personnel. We were able to move forward beyond that and, and really have a, uh, you know, uh, move through get to a point where we are today, which is pretty stable. It's just surprising given where we came from. You know, we were a, we were a, a distress. When I came into the, this job, city was a distressed community. I mean, we were, we had very difficult financial issues, big legacy costs, and, uh, and it couldn't even have a capital budget in a couple of those years. So some recommendations that I made early on, particularly around pension and around parking, really helped turn the corner for us. And we were able to exit Act 47 status, the, our distress status, right before the pandemic. And then the pandemic hit. So we had to have, have to deal with that. And now we're coming through that. And uh, I think we are uh, in a position where we're stronger. Um, we still have work to do. I, I think you, you, you probably know the situation we have in our, our city with our large nonprofits who don't pay property taxes, who don't pay the business taxes, and, are, and yet are our biggest property owner and our biggest employer. Uh, and so we still need to negotiate significant agreements with our nonprofit community to uh, to help stabilize our finances and, and to make sure that everyone's paying their fair share. So I should just say, as we're recording here in March, that's the anniversary of the American Rescue Plan. We shouldn't forget uh, this incredible initiative from um, the Biden White House. Look, it'd be completely understandable if uh, after two decades of federal or federal service, after public service uh, and local government, you said, you know what, I'm going to Take a break. I'm going to bow out of the public spotlight. So why why did you decide to get into this race? And it's uh, you know it's it's going to be a rough maybe rough is too strong a terms, but it's going to be uh, it's going to be it's going to be a fun sixty days ahead in the final sprint. Yeah, listen, you know we wouldn't even be talking about this right now if twenty twenty five years ago our community hadn't taken the bold leap to change our county government uh, from the three commissioner system to the county executive, the job that I'm running for right now. I led that effort 25 years ago. Uh, I led the effort that brought this government uh, into existence. It took vision. It took the the ability to act on that vision. And I think that's what I bring to this race more than anybody else. I mean, I'm the one person in this race that has actually brought something from press conference to practice. You know, I've implemented change. I've, I've been there on the forefront of reform. And so, you know, when I when I made the decision not to run for city controller again, which was the decision I made first, because I wasn't sure what I was going to do next. And I saw the challenges that we face as a county. I saw that we knew that Rich Fitzgerald was not going to be able to run again because of his term limits. And I looked at, uh, you know, the opportunities that we as a county have, particularly in, in establishing this new relationship between the county and its municipal partners. I think is an opportunity that uh, that I couldn't pass up. I mean, I, you know, as city controller, one of the first meetings I took was at the University of Pittsburgh, uh, and we talked about working together with our other our neighboring municipalities. 
And out of that conversation, an organization was formed. It's called Connect. It's the Congress of Neighboring Communities. It's, it's Pittsburgh and all of the communities that touch Pittsburgh, 36 communities, working together for the first time on an agenda for the urban core of this region. I mention that because I think that's the kind of model that we need to expand across Allegheny County, you know, bringing value-added services to every municipality, regardless of their level of resources. You know, the, the emergency response that you get in a community shouldn't depend on what boundary you just crossed. Uh, and so we're going to recognize the autonomy of these communities. We're going to make those boundaries less relevant when it comes to the delivery of service. And, and I, I think it's a, so my idea is to create an office of municipal assistance where we're working every day with our municipal partners uh, in, in new ways to deliver value added services to every citizen in Allegheny County. Earlier in the conversation, you mentioned mentioned knocking on doors, and that's obviously a component of any campaign. But in a county as large and diverse as Allegheny, I'm, I'm just curious. I mean, how much is you're building out the strategy for the final sprint as a doors versus paid media? And then the corollary to that, I'll ask is, what are you hearing at the doors? You've touched on uh, issues around um, uh, racial equity and, and transparency in government. So, two open ended questions there, but definitely curious uh, about the political side and then what you're hearing from voters. Yeah, so on the political side, you know, clearly my my campaigns have always been grassroots campaigns. You know, we are out talking to voters and out and reaching voters. And you're right, in a county this big, it's not easy, but we're doing it. You know, we are we're, we're talking to voters every day, and we are and that has to be matched by uh, you know a, a a financial commitment in in in, in major media as well. And we're going and we're doing that as well. So every day I am raising money every day. I'm, I'm talking to voters every day and preparing for this this next 60 days, uh, which will tell the tale of this campaign. And, and and when we're on the doors, you know, it's interesting. I mean, there there are a lot of issues that come up. Clearly, the fact that this, this system, this fractional system of government that we have that we talked about comes up. It comes up uh, frequently at the doors. The unfairness of our property taxation system comes up a lot at the doors. You know, the fact that some just within one street uh, with similar housing, you could have such disparity in the way those properties are taxed based on when the properties were purchased and uh, and our um, failure uh, to have a fair reassessment system here in Allegheny County. So you hear a lot about that. And then you also hear about the issues of how to address, you know, criminal justice. You know, how, how do you keep people safe? And, and we've we've gone through a uh, we, we've gone through a whole proposal around that that we recently re- uh, released around public safety that involves bringing those communities together. You know, what I want to do is uh, in my first 100 days in office is create a, a justice summit. So within 100 days, having that summit and continuing it as an ongoing periodic conversation, modeling it after what they've done in Omaha with the Omaha uh, 360 collaborative, where they've actually shown great results in reducing uh, violent crime, where they've shown a uh, reduction in use of force, uh, and where they've shown great increases in uh, community policing and also just greater interaction and, com- and communication between the community and the police. I mean, that's the kind of thing that we need to do here. You know, I'll have to go back and check. We've had dozens of guests and we've had uh, great conversations with every corner of the Commonwealth. I don't think we've referenced Nebraska. So that's super intriguing. And, you know, I think that at this point in American history, right? I mean, it is also a competition of 
it's it's sharing best practices, but it's a competition to attract employers and attract residents uh, to a world class city like Pittsburgh. So we've we've had a first year and referencing uh, Nebraska. Yeah. You have a fairly innovative plan uh, regarding community college. We have a lot of listeners in Washington. I don't know if Dr. Biden is one of them uh, or anyone on her team, but um, maybe you can share with listeners a little about that and the spark that uh, created that idea. Yeah, you know it's interesting. The spark that created that actually came from your home state. Uh, in Maryland. But hold up, hold up, hold up. Now, Allentown will always be home uh, for better. Yeah, I, I I'm, now, I'm, I'm now a Marylander, but <laughs> yeah, there you go. Well, uh, my wife and I were in Western Maryland last summer at, in Deep Creek, Maryland, and uh, we're at a local business. And I ran into a young lady, and we were talking, and she had just graduated high school. And I asked, "What are you going to do next?" And she said, "Well, I'm a smart kid, so I'm going to go to community college because I can get 60 credits for free before I go on to my four-year degree." And of course, I walked away from that thinking, isn't that great? Smart kids go to community college. But I started thinking about, well, if they can do it there, why can't we do it in Allegheny County? Why can't we make community college free? And it's critical for us for a number of reasons. First, 60% of all job vacancies in Allegheny County require some form of certificate and not a four-year degree. Um, Secondly, we know we have a student loan crisis across the country and here in Allegheny County. And if we can help students uh, defer some of that cost by doing uh, free tuition at community college. We're, we want to do that. And we also know that the community college has always been a great feeder program for our trades, for our apprenticeship programs, for our public safety personnel. Um, we think it can also be a great feeder into our caseworker uh, and, and regulatory structures here in Allegheny County. So, um, you know, to me, it was a no-brainer and a win-win-win to put together a plan that will make community college free for all high school graduates in Allegheny County. You know, it's a big and bold proposal, but it's something that uh, that we need to do. And it's something that I am committed to doing and something that we're gonna make happen uh, with uh, skin in the game from not just taxpayers, but also from our business community, our, our large nonprofit community, our philanthropic community, um, and we're gonna make this work. That's great. And I think that's also another first uh, first time we're mentioning Western Maryland and Deep Creek, uh, which is a wonderful destination. But two final questions, both of which may be zooming out to, uh, dare I say, a Washington lens. FBI Director Ray has mentioned something time and again, and it's consuming uh, local governments across Pennsylvania and beyond. And it's maybe one of the only things that brings bipartisan uh, togetherness is uh, is TikTok, the social media app. So there's an intense debate that's been happening in Cleveland and Lancaster, all sorts of places about TikTok on government devices. And I'm just curious, when you look at a workforce as large as Allegheny County's, many folks are walking around with county-issued cell phones. Any thoughts on, uh, on, 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 on that app? You know, I, I, think, I think the I've always tried to, to err on the side of open and leaving things open. But when you're talking about when you're talking about governmental computers. You know, while I think it's important for us to be having an informed workforce and that they should have access to as much information as possible, I don't see the value of TikTok there. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I think that's something that we should be, be thinking about and, and drafting a policy around how our technology is used when we are working uh, in, 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 in with public dollars. Uh, you know, our taxpayers pay us to do a job and, and while I think there's, an, there's certainly advantages to having openness and access to information, I don't know that access to TikTok helps or, or advises us in any way 
uh, in, in a way that's beneficial to taxpayers. So, um, yeah, I, I think that that's, uh, you know, we don't, we don't have our, um, our systems up, you know, for entertainment purposes. And, and, and right now, the TikTok seems to be primarily that. I'm far from an expert, but it's certainly entertaining. But it's there's also some very real national security concerns. I take a, a FBI and our national security establishment at, at their word. So final question, maybe on a, a weighty note, um, I think the state of our democracy is fairly fragile. And I think Pennsylvania most likely is going to be ground zero in the 2024 election. And one of the roles of county government is administering the election. So uh, to end, um, maybe on a Somewhat concerning note about the brush fire in our body politic, but then also um, your thoughts on how to administer the most uh, transparent and efficient elections uh, out of county government. You know, it's interesting because it's probably our smallest department, and yet it is our most important department. Uh, you know, we, nothing, everything that we do starts there, right? And so, you know, we're on the front line of this. Um, I, you know, we're, we've made investments. We're going to continue to make investments in safe and secure and secret ballots, uh, you know, we are, uh, and so, and in this, this new era of mail-in balloting here in Pennsylvania, Allegheny County's done a great job, I think, in a number of ways, and you know, we are, our, our constituents have, have embraced mail-in ballots here, um, they are, uh, and, and it works, and the system has worked, and we have we've done a very good job of keeping those ballots secure, making sure votes get counted, uh, and doing it in an efficient manner. I do think there are things where we can improve on. I mean, there are a number of areas, investments that we can make. Uh, you know, I, I think that, and some of it is about training. Uh, some of it is about personnel. Uh, you know, when, when we're, when we're moving personnel from department to department, because on election day, we need more people in elections. Sometimes, you know, things happen where people aren't as well trained because it's not what they're doing every day. And so, um, you know, investments in the elections department, both in workforce, in training uh, and in technology uh, so that we can protect and keep our ballots safe and secure, but also secret uh, is something that I'm, I'm certainly committed to. And uh, again, it's our smallest department, but it's, it's the most important thing we do. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. You're super generous with your time. Take time from uh, knocking on the doors and the campaign trail. So really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. I appreciate the opportunity. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Pennsylvania Kitchen Table Politics. Take a minute and leave us a rating and review on your podcast platform. Please also consider following us on social media for updates and announcements regarding future episodes and new guests. You're political, so I am sure that you're on Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. We are too at PA Political Podcast. Visit our website, papoliticalpodcast.org, and send us your feedback about this episode and suggestions on future guests. Until next week. Thank you.